So welcome everybody. <laughs> My name is Jan Van Rens and I'm the executive director here at Forest Home Cemetery um, and feel very lucky uh, to have that position. Um, we have Anita Petrakowski who's one of our tour guides um, and has helped with Cheryl to set your day up today. Um, Paul Halbrick back here. Paul's going to be your tour guide today and Paul's kind of our, our resident historian and He's been in and out of the office for the last two weeks researching, so <laughs> to give you a good tour today. Um, I know that uh, Forest Home Cemetery has been around since 1850. Um, in the late 1840s, uh, the city of Milwaukee needed to find a place to bury their dead because the city was growing, the church cemeteries were being dug up because of expansion, and so they wanted some place that was far enough out of town, a mile and a half out of town, to, uh, to not ever have that same problem. And so in 1850, our first burial took place. And um, before, that took, before that happened, though, um, St. Paul's Episcopal Church were kind of the, the people, the group that headed, this pro or headed the, the creation of the cemetery. And in order to get the monies to do it, they sold 12 graves <coughs> per person. And guess how much they cost? Ooh, very close. A little higher. 20 bucks for 12 graves. <laughs> a, little, a, a little less than what we sell them for today. Um, but uh, uh, the cemetery was purchased. And the land was purchased, and then Increase Lapham came out and did the surveying of the property. Increase was very uh, much a person who wanted to keep things as natural as possible. And so uh, he, when he did his surveying of the property, he kept all of the, the hills, the, the kettles. There's a big kettle right over the hill here. Um, he maintained that, and so when the roads were put in and that sort of a thing, it was done to keep the natural topography of the land. So you see a lot of cemeteries now, they're just flat and stuff, and that's not what we are about, you know. Uh, we have about 116,000 people buried here, and we have a room for probably about another 100 years. Um, people think we're full. We are not. Um, we have plenty of space, and... Because now with cremation, uh, it's six, over 60% of burials now, um, we can get to sometimes three people into one grave, which allows for more, more individuals to be buried within the cemetery. Um, so I don't want to take too much time because Paul's going to give you a lot of information this morning. But Cheryl, you wanted to say a few words about Ellen Peck. I think we were really fortunate to find out that she was buried here. Um, it was Bill Hopkins who suggested it and thought that we might have members of the Mayflower Society here. And when I checked, we had 29 founders or 29 charter members of the Mayflower Society in the state of Wisconsin. Eleven of them are buried here in this cemetery. And Ellen Peck was chosen to be our first governor, and that's why we've got the wreath here for her today. And she also has, her only child was a daughter,
Catherine Hayes Peck Hubbard, and she was also one of our charter members, although not buried here. After she married, she moved to the state of Washington. And when Ellen became a widow, she was traveling and went out east. She wrote a book called Travels in the Far East, and it was shortly after that book was published that she died. Her daughter had two, three children, I think one in California, one Alaska, and one in the state of Washington. And in the state of Washington was her son and Ellen's only grandson. Ellen was on her way to see her new grandson in Washington when she died on the way in Colorado. And when I first saw where her death was at, I just thought, well, maybe she was on vacation, but I've been in touch now with her great-grandson and that I met online, and he sent me some pictures, and I will have some pictures at the tables when we have lunch. Uh, one of the pictures shows her daughter, Catherine, with the three grandchildren and with the baby, and she's wearing mourning clothes, which we hear about, we don't see or have anymore, but she had mourning clothes on in the portrait. Um, we're going to hear more about the accomplishments that she had, and when they first started meeting, they met at her house to organize, and it was kind of a big idea for her to be doing this. At the, she died before their ninth annual meeting. They had an annual meeting at her house, and one at the women's, others at the women's club in Milwaukee. But at the ninth annual meeting of the Wisconsin Society of Mayflower Descendants, um, it was November 22nd, 1909. So it's a lot like when we have our November dinners and our get-togethers. And Deputy Governor Mrs. Frances Conkey Feathers was presiding in the absence of Ellen. And a tribute to the late Governor Ellen Hayes Peck by the Society was sent to her daughter, Catherine Peck Hubbard, in the state of Washington. Mrs. Peck died on July 17, 1909, and that dinner that year had 61 people in attendance, which was really good for back then. The annual report in 1909 had a tribute for Ellen Peck, and it read, except for her work, this state organization would not have been formed, at least not for some years. It was really uphill work as she met little encouragement from the little band of women who met at her home in January 1901 were inspired with some of her enthusiasm as the organization was affected. I think there were 11 women, half of them from Milwaukee and half from Janesville at that time. Uh, he who knew Mrs. Peck realized that the word failure was not in her vocabulary. Mrs. Peck was a woman of indomitable courage, wonderful perseverance, and with all the kindest feelings toward humanity. She was ever ready with clear judgment, good advice, and keen interest. No one ever heard Mrs. Peck say an unkind word to anyone or of anyone. Well, again, welcome to Forced Home. Uh, the tour that we are gonna have this morning, we can't get to everybody, because otherwise we'd be walking around here for about two hours. I think after that, most people will be ready to call it a day. So the people that I've selected is, we'll begin here at Ellen Peck. Following that, we're gonna talk about Alice Chapman, Greenwood Chapman, 
was buried up the hill and when we returned to get the cars those of you who are interested in going up to her grave uh, should do that uh, and I'll be available at the end to uh, walk you up there uh, it's a very prominent family in Milwaukee history uh, the Chapmans uh, they own the uh, silk stocking department store in Milwaukee in the 1800s and that uh, got them to be the most famous for that uh, after that, we're going to see uh, Ella Neeland Gregory, who's buried on the Neeland family lot. And the Gregory's are right around the corner here, so that'll be very convenient. And then we're going to go see um, Ellen uh, Clarissa Neeland Sexton, and you'll see the Neeland name coming up again. It was a prominent family in Milwaukee. They owned an estate that would be, if you know Milwaukee, it's where the interstate crosses Wisconsin Avenue, or Wisconsin Avenue crosses the estate. It was a 20-acre estate, and uh, James Neeland brought the first swans to Milwaukee. It was just, uh, everybody had to go see the swans. Uh, following uh, that, we're going to go to see uh, Ellen Barber Crumbach Pierce. We won't walk up to her grave. I'll show you the general site, only because... It's kind of bumpy getting up to where it is, and it's not great footing, so to speak. Uh, then after that, we're going to go to Sarah Kimball uh, Carhart, and then Colonel Howard Green, and then finally the Upham family, Don Alonzo Upham and Mary Upham, who is uh, a daughter, um, well-known in Milwaukee. Uh, and um, then we'll get you back here at this point. Hopefully we can do that all within one hour and uh, get you back so you can have your uh, luncheon meeting and go from there. If you have any questions as we go along, I'll uh, try to explain it to you. I'll also try to point out some things about cemetery art and symbolism, lots of symbolism in the Victorian era, uh, a lot of different uh, process of mourning that people used to go through. For example, you'll see a number of monuments like when we get to the Neyland Monument, with a woman sitting on top in a state of mourning, and it occurs in two ways. The first way is to head down as if they're mourning the individual. The other way is to head, point up to heaven, saying the old man made it up to heaven. Okay, that's, <laughs> those are the two symbols. We have no men in mourning in the cemetery. Okay? Only women. Now, a lot of different reasons for that. Most women, I shouldn't say most, a number of women outlived their husband. It was a way of showing in mourning. But in the Victorian era, when someone passed away, for example, if the wife was the surviving spouse, the wife was expected to mourn for one year. You were expected to wear black the entire year. The first three months, you did not leave the house. You stayed in the house. The next three months, you might be able to go to a family event, particularly another funeral, because you had to show your respect. After the six months, you could go to church, an occasional social gathering. After nine months, you could regularly be seen somewhere in the community, but you could not be out socializing in a gay fashion. It wasn't allowed to do that. And finally, after a year, you were allowed to get out of black. Now, the, if you were a man and your wife preceded you, how long would you be in mourning? Probably not very long. You are expected to wear black at least two weeks. Now, there's a lot of interesting uh,
caveats to that. Uh, one of them is, is that uh, you'll find as we talk throughout the cemetery that infant mortality rates were very high uh, in the 1800s. 50% mortality rates for infant was not unusual. The other high mortality was women dying in childbirth. So if a woman died in childbirth and there was a man with a, uh, a baby to take care of, the family responsibility, if there was a younger daughter, that daughter was obligated to marry that individual so someone could take care of the child. Very common in the cemetery when we research their records. The man's been married twice, sisters. Okay? And it's just the way the practices went over time. Once the infant mortality rates began to decline, and the two things that caused infant mortality rates to decline were one, clean water, and sewers. Those two aspects of public health made a huge difference, and infant mortality rates uh, go down. One of the characteristics you'll notice about the cemetery as we go through it, it reflects that point in time in American history when leaving monuments to yourself once you've made some money was a pretty standard practice. Okay? Now remember, they didn't pay any taxes. There were no federal taxes. There were really no state taxes. So you got to keep all your money. Uh, a novel idea, huh? Uh, and uh, so people could afford to spend a lot of money on their monuments. 